while those things were cut in the meantime, there were other things that were added that we also want to expand. And it's right. it's hard to both be aspirational and and fiscally prudent when there's only there's when the pie is only so big. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I mean to to Dave's point, yeah, these these cuts they have real world impacts on on Franklin families and on. There, Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, 102.9 and WFPR.FM, anywhere on the internet. Here today in studio for another chalkboard chat. There was a school committee meeting, yeah, Tuesday night, and we're having a couple of school committee members here. So, Dave Callahan, Dave McNeil, it doesn't have to be Dave's on the show, but it just is coincidental. <laughs> the number of Dave's is just growing exponentially. Just yeah. wait until the fall. <laughs> well, and they, I say that only because when I started doing what I'm doing with TV radio, I mean, it was Chris, Chris, Chris that are all on the video things. I think you need to be Chris in order to do video. So I said, good, I'm not doing that. I don't have, I don't want to have to change my name. <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the more Dave's the merrier. That's just our motto. <laughs> Dave, Dave's not here. No, that's another story. We won't go there. <laughs> Let's see. But yeah, thanks as always, just for giving us this opportunity to to chat, to recap about what, what has happened and, and, you know, some of the stuff that's going on, you know, uh, in the future as well. Absolutely. No, no, definitely. Thank you. We really appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, communicating with uh, the community about what we're doing school committee. Yep. And I think we'll kind of continue a parallel format to what I do with town council chair uh, Tom Mercer on the council quarterbacking session where effectively, okay, what just happened? <laughs> and what does it mean instead of just residents and taxpayers? Okay, it's parents and kids, which is just as equally important. And, you know, I know one of the, you know, uh, Lucas, Superintendent Jagir, you know, kind of kicked it off by talking about like, the opening of schools. Yes. And one of the, the big takeaways uh, for me was about the staff hiring yes. updates, specifically mm -hmm. really the fact that they were able to open schools with zero teacher vacancies. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't something that we could say. Last Just year, I think last... there was a senior high school position, a science position, science, I think exactly. that was extended, you know. And... Yeah, so this year, zero to start, teacher-wise? Fantastic. Absolutely. I was so excited to kind of get, uh, you know, see some of those numbers. And especially, too, as you know, and we talked about this last time, that we went, uh, it was like a high of 117 vacancies summer of 2022. Right. So they've made terrific inroads. And, uh, you know, I think a large part is they've just been you know, really focusing on, on making the, the teacher salary is just more competitive compared to the rest of the market because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a law of supply and demand right now. And that, that national teacher shortage is affecting Franklin and other communities, and we got to fight just as hard to be able to entice teachers to, to come here versus, you know, some other neighboring communities. Right. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's so encouraging to see that we're starting, starting the year off with a you know, full teacher force and mm -hmm. we're able to you know, get the get the school school year kicking off right. Yep. And we still have opportunities on the ESPs so or the Education Support Professionals. We always have to fill out the acronyms because sometimes people will say, whoa, what's that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's not mind reading. <laughs> That's another form of ESP. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they also, um, Lucas talked about, you know, the, uh, a lot of the, in terms of like welcoming the students, welcoming the teachers. And one of the things I love, too, was they had a keynote speaker mm -hmm. uh, for all the, the Franklin uh, staff. 
and it was the same keynote speaker that came last year, really kind of providing a lot of continuity mm -hmm. from year over year. And I know that that's something too that Lucas talked about, not to get too ahead, but it just in terms of, uh, he's very fond of talking about his systems. Systems. And you know, and, and you really see, I love the, the, the philosophy behind, you know, taking what you have and just continuing to, to build upon that mm -hmm. and just continue to reinforce a lot of the, you know, a lot of the conversations and a lot of the directions and just to keep building the systems that you already have and just strengthening them rather than kind of continuing to, to, to build more and to, to uh, branch out further. The media likes to make big of kind of the new shiny objects that come along and certainly there's a lot of them. But when you're dealing with, you know, the youth and in a challenging environment, they're coming from challenging environments potentially, you, you want to have some sort of continuity, which is one of the re reasons why you've stepped back from redistricting, just doing the better facilities plan to figure out what we truly need from the building perspectives that we have versus what else we would need because of the way we need to deliver education today, which as we've said before, it's not our, it's not your education. It's not my education. It's not our parents' education. It's significantly changed a long time. Absolutely, and we always um, want to make sure that we're continuing to improve upon the, that edu the educational experience that we're providing. And another thing that has been very encouraging to hear, you know, not only from this last superintendent's report but from previous ones, is the professional development that they've been very proactive about doing over the summer to ensure that all the both new teachers and and returning teachers um, are on both on the same page but also have just the the latest best practices that we want to be um, pushing pushing out to our students and um, really ensuring that we are practicing just the the best possible educational um, tools and practices that, that we can so mm -hmm. you know, to, to build on those systems and to keep improving and expanding them so it's uh, it's wonderful that um, uh, Superintendent Jagir and the administrative team do have that priority to always be taking a look at what we can be improving upon in order to do that um, to the to the best extent possible yeah yeah because I think in not n not so much in this past one but I believe it happened last year and they've got plans for a future where they do more kind of peer-to-peer -peer development so teachers with some specialties will share with their other teachers in that same arena, so to speak. And that helps a lot because you're not just pulling somebody in from the outside who may or may not know exactly what you're doing. And then now you say, well, I have to take this part, not that part, this part, not that part. But having somebody who's in the trenches with you sharing what you're, that is gold, I think. Exactly, that, that cross-pollination, but also being able to learn from the experience of others. And then also those who are longer tenure being able to learn from new and fresh perspectives. So you know, we, all, we all help each other out when we communicate and, and, and share different areas of expertise that we have. And mm -hmm. ultimately the, the goal of that is to make sure that we're giving Franklin students just the, the, the best resources and teaching that we can. And along the way, he did give a brief update, um, brief albeit, with all good respect, I mean, there's more questions than answers on the migrant topic that is still a developing story. Yeah, and I think you could tune into any Franklin committee that's happening right now with town council and, and FinCom and school. It, 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 any any committee right now is constantly having more, far more questions than answers when it comes to the migrant housing uh, mm -hmm. situation. And I know that. Um, 
you know, I know that uh, Jamie and Lucas have both been, you know, working steadily with uh, with the state, with everyone on Beacon Hill to try to get some of those answers. Mm -hmm. And right now, they're just kind of rolling out as as they can. Right. I know that as at the last of the superintendent's um, report, he had said this is about uh, 25 school aged children that are currently uh, being housed in, in the hotel here mm -hmm. in Franklin. And what the remarks were from Desi, which which I appreciated, gave him a little bit of breathing room, mm -hmm. was let's get Franklin students situated in schools, let's get everything, you know, all those wheels moving, and then we can kind of start to figure out what uh, Franklin's gonna be doing to be able to kind of provide a, an education to mm -hmm. 25 or likely more uh, students at, at some point in time. Right, kind of phasing them in rather than dropping them into the district all at once. Exactly, it gives, you know, it gives uh, Lucas and, and his team just more time to provide like a thoughtful approach uh, to how this is being done, sure. uh, and and that's exactly what they're doing. They're you know um, trying to to do the best that they can, kind of given the, the circumstances, and uh, figure out how to be able to kind of provide uh, you know all of these children with an education. Because at the at the end of the day, I know Lucas often you know talks, and, and I appreciate he talks about like the moral obligation. Mm -hmm. There's a legal obligation. Uh, to providing you know any you know any uh, school-aged child with a free public education mm -hmm. and so uh, you know regardless of what the state does or, or doesn't do uh, you know we still have to be able to provide them a right. proper education and they are uh, being incredibly thoughtful with how they're going about to do that though yeah that's that's going to be key and it's certainly going to be a bit around for a bit granted the uh at least the migrant status with the use of the hotel. Supposedly it's been leased for a year. Will it extend beyond that? Who knows? <laughs> um, and then Desi is also committed to reimbursement of some sort per student. Again, exactly what that'll be when that comes. Clearly, given other state funding we know, it tends to come a little bit later, but <laughs> yeah. at least we'll get something sometime. So Exactly. Yeah, that'll that'll come sometime down the road. And we certainly aren't the only community dealing with this. I think this past week I heard that 6,300 families across the Commonwealth are uh, being housed in the Commonwealth's um, shelter system. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you know we're you know doing our part to you know both you know assist these families in their town need, but particularly on the school part of things, assist these students because you know, they're. There's no way that these families want to be in the situation that, that they're in. And you know, while they're here, you know, we want to make sure that we're giving the families the, just the best support that we can, but particularly the, the students the best support that they can. And as I mentioned on Tuesday, I think it's um, excellent the work that we have been doing over the past few budget cycles to invest in our English as a second language mm, um, right. resources and teachers because they'll definitely be an excellent resource when it comes to helping out these students um, mm -hmm. With with the edu their educational needs for whatever language they come exactly with, we don't know. exactly and and to your point, Steve, yeah, we we don't expect this to be you know a financial hit to Franklin. Ultimately, we are, we will be getting reimbursed from the mm -hmm. state, um, and you know that'll get worked out when it does. But we right. do expect that. Yeah, and just offhand, I recall, and you may recall too, if I were, it was only a year or two ago, I think that the high school had a stat that there were twenty plus languages walking in the high mm -hmm. school hallways. You know, that's quite a diverse community mm. for something that, you know, essentially Franklin has this image of being kind of like, you know, s singular, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> When exactly. you have seven, you know, 20 plus languages in, in, a, in a high school, may also give us an opportunity to use some of those language students 
to help do some of the translation and some of the assistance and or at least translation Absolutely. <laughs> to provide guidance in, in terms of what, what their requirements are to the extent that there's 20 plus languages there may be a match somewhere so yeah exactly absolutely everyone has something to offer yeah for sure and then the next big item i think on the uh, agenda was the district Im improvement plan otherwise known as the dip <laughs> to toss an acronym because acronyms are fairly common yeah and this was you know really uh you know lucas kind of sharing where from almost like like a thirty thousand foot you know view mm -hmm. this is where where this is where the district stands and this uh the goals uh that they're, uh, you know, expecting everybody below them now, like, you know, so now, you know, like the individual school, actual school levels, mm -hmm. and then the individual schools themselves all to align themselves Correct. Uh, too. And so, you know, we'll start to see uh, over coming meetings, those the school levels, the high school, middle and elementary uh, start to kind of present to say, how are they going to be meeting and aligning themselves to there? But one of the things that I really love too is as much as often as Lucas would talk about alignment, he would also talk about the individuality that every school has mm -hmm. as well. You know, that's not looking to be taken away. Mm -hmm. You know, by having these district improvement plans, right. uh, it's just to say, no, this is the guiding star that everybody should kind of be moving towards, but each individual school is going to have their, their opportunity to, you know, present their own identity, figure out who they are, mm -hmm. uh, and how they look to attain each of those goals. Exactly. And... Um, it was. It's really encouraging to see just the like the long-term vision and through line through these um, the district improvement plans and the school improvement plans that we'll see in a couple weeks. Because you know, we touched upon in the presentation a lot of the different things we've been hearing about over the past few months with multi-tiered systems of support and the uh, panorama data collection, uh, liter literacy, curriculum implementation, and ways to improve improve student you know, behavioral plans and um, behavioral health and mental health supports through um, through data as well as other materials and it's great to see that all these things we've been talking about the past few months are getting not only just baked in and included into the plan but really considered for long-term goals that will again improve Franklin Public Schools from a system-wide perspective and then as Dave just mentioned at the and we'll be talking about in a couple weeks at the school level as well so we get the Exactly. So we get the the, no, the thirty thousand view as you meant, but also that, that really drills down and um, and impacts all the students at the individual school level. But it's excellent that we get this um, this presentation and this plan to know that there is a strategic vision and that we do have plans moving forward in terms of where we want um, where we want Franklin to go and how we want to make improvements and, mm -hmm. and always be iterative and very reflective on how we can make make improvements for the better for Franklin students. Right, and I think the other piece, kind of reinforcing his kind of system approach. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure even, because I think some of the initial goals, which really didn't change, they morphed a little bit last year, but then they stayed pretty much the same this year. To his point, he was kind of like peeling the onion a little bit, but just going deeper within the goal. The goal, and to a certain extent, some of the goals, the goal's gonna be there forever. How we achieve within the goal is mm -hmm. where we're trying to change and improve along the way. And I think that kind of perspective as well, it may, at some people may say, well, wait a minute, they're not doing another goal? No, we don't need to. No. <laughs> We've already got enough on our plate. We've got to do this. Which I, I, I do love as much as, you know, you, have, you always want to try to say, well, we're in a growth mindset to be able to say, no, 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 what we want to, we want to both protect what we have 
and just continue to enhance what we have. Mm -hmm. But but I also think and, and Lucas uh, you know kind of made this point that uh, you know I can't go more than fifteen minutes without talking about the budget. But it, there's also it, it, there's a philosophical reason behind strengthening the systems. There's also a financial yep. reality, which is that. Franklin right now cannot afford to be in a, in a growth mindset. We can't afford to to continue to expand at the rate that we're doing when we've just gone through last budget season mm -hmm. and sure. had to make significant cuts. And where you look at the, the five-year forecast, there's nothing but red mm -hmm. uh, over the next five years, too. And so there was just a, a financial reality to the whole thing as well yeah. to say, this is what we can afford. So what we're just going to try to do, uh, what we can't afford, we're going to make the best, and we're just going to continue to invest in that, because you know, right now we, we just don't have the money to continue to expand in different goals and, and adding new objectives. Right. And implementation of a lot of the objectives, particularly some of the curriculum changes. You got a new math curriculum that's mm -hmm. still in second or third year of implementation. Yeah. Now you're introducing a new literacy curriculum. That all takes time to introduce both at the staff level and then to implement into the teaching of the day-to-day -day classes, et cetera. And to the extent that, yeah, we don't have the additional educational support, some of the integrationists aren't around anymore, it's, it, you can only do so much. Yeah, and that was something that kind of just almost tangentially got, got brought up, was talking about the, the DLIs. Uh, um, digital learning um, integrationists, and yeah. that you know these were individuals. That, you know they weren't just your computer teachers. You know these were individuals that uh, they took a look at a lot of the security for a lot of the programs that we were bringing in. Mm -hmm. If there were a lot of websites and mm -hmm. online resources, they would vet them before allowing uh, any access to the students, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, we kind of started talking about that. Well, wait, wait a minute, like the DLI kind of whole component was devastated in mm. last year's budget hearing. Mm -hmm. So who's doing all of that work? And Lucas's response was, you know, there there is somebody. They are looking at it, but on such a small basis sure. that it's basically, you know, instead of having, you know, an entire group that can kind of review a lot of new brand new sources, they're just saying no to everything until we're able to have one individual slowly go through the list and, and take a look at some of these online uh, resources mm -hmm. for students to use because the default answer is going to be no for a, for a safety reason, which I get and is fantastic right. and great. But, you know, when, when, we, when we go and we have to make so many budget cuts and so much, you know, um, restructuring, there's a lot that's lost. And this is just one thing that kind of got brought mm -hmm. up was the, the staff and the bandwidth to be able to kind of take a look at, at the security of a lot of these programs that are out there. Right. You know, I know one thing, too, that, that came up during the district improvement um, plan, and that this is something that I feel like, like uh, myself and, and uh, Ms. Stokes, we kind of kept going, uh, you know, back and back and forth on was the, the loss of the middle school clubs. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yes. Because there was one whole goal is all about student well-being. Mm -hmm. And when you know your, your students can no longer go to their favorite after-school and middle school club, there's a, there's a dramatic change in, mm -hmm. in their well-being. And it's, it's, it's one of those things, too. I was, I was glad that Lucas brought it up because it's one thing to kind of talk about it during a budget season and to say because of all of the costs that we have to incur, mm -hmm. uh, the cuts that we have to make, these programs will not be available in the fall, but it's entirely different to all of a sudden kind of pick a kid up off the bus yeah. and hear them say, like, well, what do you mean they don't have this program? What do you mm -hmm. mean that's not available anymore? Right. You just did that last year and you had so much fun with it. What do you, what do you mean? Right. And I think, you know, right now, 
that's kind of where where everyone's you know feeling and i've I've seen a lot of stuff online i've I've talked to a lot of people too where uh you know there, there was a lot of discussion uh during the last budget season with all the cuts that were being mm-hmm. made but it's now that unfortunately kids directly and families mm-hmm. are feeling the impacts of those cuts um and uh and again if you look at the five-year forecast it's safe to assume more cuts would be coming down the road yeah mm-hmm. From my perspective, the hard part is it's, it's one thing to be aware of and plan for the cuts, but then the stuff that has already been cut, there's no plan yet to start into reintegrating some of those pieces back into the budget. And that would be great to do, but then it yeah. also takes that mm-hmm. much more money to do uh, so. So exactly, that needs yeah. to be part of the discussion and somehow. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it does need to be part of the discussion. It's, um, it's a hard balance because we do want to both be aspirational and strategic. I mean, that's what the district improvement plan is, is all about. We always want to be improving and building what we have. But uh, to your point, when we're taking away things from the past, you know, it, it does leave, you know, we are chipping away the things that we are building upon. It's that balance of, okay, what what can we continue to improve on what we have, but then also how can we be fiscally responsible and with bringing something else back that was already taken away. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, I, I totally agree. We, we should be taking taking a look to see what was cut from before so we can bring it back and then expand that if we can. But while those things were cut in the meantime, there are other things that were added that we also want to expand. And it's right. it's hard to both be aspirational and and fiscally prudent when there's only there's when the pie is only so big. Yeah. And uh, right. and yeah, yeah, I mean, to, to Dave's point, yeah, <laughs> these these cuts, they have real world impacts on on Franklin families and on and on the educational experience of, of our students, whether, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be some, some of the after-school programs, uh, sports, or some of the, um, some of the positions that were cut and, and, and how those impact the, the classes, uh, absolutely. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, and, and it's, you know, these are hard decisions that, you know, that we made as a school committee that the admin makes, and, you know, looking forward, you know, the, the decisions won't be getting easier, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and, but we're we're you know, we try to do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. So I'll just use this opportunity to say I'm still doing this because 16, 17 years ago I was hearing about the cuts and the education. I think my daughter's got some of those programs are still not here. Mm. Um, and I think people need to be aware of that. Uh, the one piece that at least has come up from time to time is like the middle school language programs. Yeah all got cut and yet they benefited from it. It's not even on the radars to where it could be, although it's starting at least to come back into some conversation. So the reminder to the folks listening, and thank you for listening, is stay close to the school committee, stay close to the budget discussions. It is important because it ultimately it affects what happens in the classrooms. So I can't say much more than that. Well, I think what, what I might add, uh, one, for, for those listening, if you recall of a program that your kids had when when they were going to school, or just a cost that you didn't have to pay a, a busing, mm. um, you know, right now it's three hundred and fifty dollars per kiddo that that you want to uh, pay to send on the bus. You send us a, an email. Um, I would you know just to, to kind of because I think it's it's mm, so important absolutely. to be able to kind of build that history of all the the cuts that were made along mm-hmm. the way. The past FinCom meeting. Uh, I believe it was Natalie had this great point when she looked at the five-year forecast. Because right. you see in FY25, it's about a quarter of a million dollar uh, deficit mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll be running. And honestly, 
that's the best one. That looks really good <laughs> compared to the yeah. next couple of years after that. Uh, but uh, her point and uh, that that was incredibly fantastic was it's a it's a quarter of a million dollar cut from all of the cuts that were already made. Mm. Um, and so it's it's just, Dave, as you mentioned, it's just continually kind of chipping away at all of these different programs. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it costs so much more to bring them back, both right. financially but also structurally. Right. Um, and uh, it, But unfortunately, that's the direction that we're kind of heading right now, mm. uh, where when you look at that five-year forecast and you see all of the deficit mm -hmm. uh, that's that's coming up ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These, these things compound, to, to exactly to what you're saying. And I appreciate you giving a call out to the community to stay engaged and informed. Um, I'll put a plug out for our next budget subcommittee hearing. It's going to be on the 26th, right before um, our next school committee meeting. And we're going to make an effort to have our budget subcommittee meetings on the school on the school committee be a little more regular, not just during budget season. And also, please continue to stay tuned for the joint budget um, subcommittee meetings right. that both Dave and I serve on, because it's going to be so important and so informative. And for not just the, um, to understanding the overall town and school fiscal forecast, but also for the cross-communication between different uh, town departments and, um, and mm -hmm. elected official bodies with us on the school committee and town council and FinCom, and so just un getting an understanding of how all the pieces fit and come together and what we're, what we're looking at as, as a community um, go going forward and what the, the financial picture is looking like. So no, absolutely, um, we, we both encourage everyone to stay engaged and, and informed and you know, stay tuned. An interesting piece, and it seems to be recurring, we've had a couple, but another international trip was proposed for the high school students, which was only not only proposed, but also approved. Um, fortunately, they've been successful. They certainly have educational aspects that are almost priceless to imagine. And having had two daughters that benefit from them when they were available, Back back a few day, days ago, <laughs> as in years, almost decades. Cer certainly couldn't have been that long. <laughs> it's good to see that kind of thing continue to happen. And it would really be nice for the school to fund those. But given the funding piece, yeah. <laughs> that's something that's not possible. So... Um, yeah, a absolutely. Um, it's true. We I saw you know, the other day that the total price per person is a uh, four thousand six hundred twenty nine dollars and you now there is a, a payment plan you know for 239 dollars over the course of 20 months but for you know, a lot of people a lot of families that isn't exactly accessible and they did mention that they do set up you know students with different accounts to like as kind of like you know individual gofundme pages but their own version through the organization and mm -hmm. you know they try to help with fundraising ideas but um yeah it, it certainly can't get everybody or you know, probably even most people all the way. I mean, you know, hopefully it can make some dent. And you know, we do encourage them to try to you know, be you know, creative and helpful with having this be as easily accessible to all students who would like to participate. Because it is unfortunate that it simply isn't um, tenable for for some families. Because you know, it's it's so enriching to to go abroad and just see a different culture, just get immersed in uh, a different country, and just to see how other people do life. And to explore someone, someone else's history, and to just to get to know people that just see the world differently and mm -hmm. have different different lived experiences. I I lived in Germany for four years, and I I can tell you it just it completely 
opens my mind and just horizons. Just being in in a different place and just learning how other other people go about their day to day, and sure. um, it really is just enriching in so many ways that um, that you just don't know until you've experienced it. So I, I think it's it's wonderful opportunity for those students who can afford to go and those students who can't afford to go, but it really um, would be excellent if we can try to expand that and help out those who at this point couldn't so that their students and you know those children can also um, get the benefits of this trip. Lots of challenges. So I think that kind of covers the recap of the meeting itself. Uh, you touted one of the subcommittee meetings started with uh, the budget. I believe you've got a policy subcommittee meeting coming up. Yeah, so we'll have probably by the time that this is this is out, we'll have uh, the, the first uh, policy subcommittee of uh, the new school year. We also that we had uh, the, the kickoff for it was the, the comprehensive school facility planning subcommittee. The mouthful of a name. Let's, let's say that name again because we left out a couple of key words. And I'll say we because it was my suggestion, but you took it. So that was good because it already has complications. So... Comprehensive, <laughs> the the comprehensive schools facility assessment subcommittee, that was, at the time, the the school's master plan, which that was that was the original kind of name that was right. coming out to it, because it it really does mirror much uh, that's being done with the town's master plan mm -hmm. uh, and what what they're working on, but uh, we we did elect to to change the name. There was a. I know uh, I had heard a lot of confusion during the redistricting mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what, what the schools were doing versus what the town was doing and who was waiting for, for what. Right. So we wanted to kind of draw that, that line in the sand to right. say, well, this is what the schools are doing and, and it's separate from what the town's doing. And But even, even that, even all those words uh, for the subcommittee still don't quite capture exactly what the mm -hmm. scope uh, and, and the mission's going to be, where at at this moment, we really kind of have uh, three different uh, directions and, and three avenues that we're pursuing, where the first one is to a uh, comprehensive look at all of the facilities. Right. And uh, we're you know, taking a look at every single building and really drilling down deep into to what that building you know, does, what that building can offer mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. Uh, then we'll, we're gonna be looking at the, the Franklin demographics uh, because you know, right now we have the, the Castle Booze uh, study that we've been relying on for quite some time. Right. The census data that it utilizes is from 2010. Right. Um, and so uh, we're already kind of working with them to get the 2020 census data, so they can kind of take a look at some of the projections, find out where they on the nose with, with mm -hmm. some of them. Are they more in line, or do they need to be tweaked? Right. Uh, but then there's also, and, and this one's for me, it's the most exciting. We're going to be taking a look just at the educational vision. Of Franklin to really kind of take a look at, you know, as you mentioned, you know, like the the schools today aren't what the the schools uh, you know needed to be right. 10, 20, 30 years ago. Sure. So where are they today? Where are they going to be moving forward? Mm -hmm. And how can we align our facilities to match that educational vision? Agreed. And so uh, so this subcommittee yeah, just kind of kicked off. Uh, we're going to try to do a lot of work so that way we can we can tie up a, a couple of bows before this school committee's term expires. Uh, our last meeting will be on October 24th. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of work to be done and uh, maybe some more, more words to be added to that subcommittee in the future mm -hmm. as well.
for the listeners' benefit as well, one of the key pieces, at least from my understanding, there was a facility studies done, um, but it had left out some of the special ed programs, which coincidentally, because we deliver them in-house, save us a boatload of money compared to externally educating those students. Clearly, those kind of programs may take eight or ten students in a room, as opposed to a normal room, call it 2024, there's a capacity difference there. That really needs to be, and what's the growth? Clearly, there are folks who come here specifically because we're recognized as being a good school district, high performance, and oh, by the way, with one of the better special ed programs. So if we're going to continue to see some growth there, then that kind of room in the space associated needs to be planned for. Right, because that's at the eight to ten students approximately. <laughs> I don't want to commit. I'm just based on what hearing is versus the normal kind of twenty twenty four students per room. That that's that's a different room size and capacity. Plan. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, to, I mean to that exact point, we um, were so fortunate to be able to do some of the tours of the schools just a couple months ago, and we saw just the wonderful spaces they have for our special education students, and we want to. And it's it's great that we have the existing mm -hmm. ones that we can provide you know, these services in house and to to your points at a significantly uh, more cost beneficial rate to the to the districts. But we also want to continue to expand those and make sure that whatever facilities we have in the future are capable of providing our special ed students with um, with the needs that they do have, so that they can get the most out of their education as well. So. Right. And that in, in that boatload of money, uh, you know, it was Miriam kind of back of the envelope math, but you know, I, would, I would trust her with, with any numbers, mm -hmm. about $50,000 per student that we're able to, to teach in-house versus to, to have to go to, to out-of-district uh, programming. So there, there is a boatload of savings, tremendous mm -hmm. amount of yeah. savings by able to, to do this, but unfortunately that last study that was being done was drawn up with one room equals 25 students, and in reality, that's just not the case. If right. we want to continue the savings that we're, mm -hmm. we're currently sure. doing, absolutely. Um, and so that's that's something that's going to be coming out of the the facilities assessment of this whole uh, subcommittee mm -hmm. is that hard look at all the buildings and what can it realistically serve based on the educational vision that Franklin currently mm -hmm. has. Yeah, and that while you taught it, that the work at this committee base should at least be completed by the end of October. The work for the committee in maybe a potentially new form after the election, that's a separate issue, would likely still have some integration and or communications with the other groups, i.e. master plan, which also has a facility subcommittee, <laughs> right? You're right. still going to need to talk with them and say, oh, this is what we're doing. Make sure you include this here or if they're doing something that you're not necessarily aware of yet, at least making those bridges and conversations. And because that's exactly it, because to be clear, like the work that, that this committee just set out to do, so it won't be, it won't be, you know, finalized by October 24th. Right. It's more, uh, there's going to be, um, theoretically, we're going to be uh, issuing out a proposal for consultants to come in to assist us with the facilities assessment as they have done in the past. And uh, it's that, specifically that vote, uh, that proposal, that financial allocation, mm -hmm. that's what we're looking to kind of have by that uh, October 24th, wrapped up, wrapped up yeah, yeah, within this term uh, for the members that are already working on it, kind of been living and breathing a lot mm -hmm. of this sure. since, uh, you know, Al Charles started the Space Needs, uh, you know, uh, subcommittee. Yep. 
Uh, so that's what that's what we'll be looking to kind of tie up. This work itself will be going on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a simple topic by any means. No, no. Thank you for taking time today uh, to share your insights. I know we'll have more conversations in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because this is ongoing. Um, so thank you again for taking time. I appreciate it. I hope the listeners will as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for having us. We really appreciate it. And yeah, we look forward to these future conversations. Absolutely. And again, to the listeners, uh, any questions at all, uh, feel, you know, please, you know, reach out, email us, or when we're walking around town, feel free to stop us and ask us questions. Yeah, we'll include the contact info. It's already on the school committee page. We'll include the contact info in the show notes. And then the last reminder, thank you uh, again. And we do this as a quick reminder because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.